from the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. There's a lot of chatter around the length of shorts this summer. There's a lot of chatter around how much thigh should be exposed on men, how much thigh should be tucked away. Theo, you need to have a like calm, relaxing voice on this topic. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Song in the background, like For sure. you're getting sultry here. For sure. Well, first off, we're presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Visit fau.edu/mba-sport. I just want to set the record straight on a couple things when it comes to shorts length for men this summer. Can I comment on as well? Oh, for sure. No, no, no. You're getting you're getting your spill because Fantastic. You, yours Fantastic. is, if not more relevant than mine. Right? Fantastic. Okay. For the guys out there, and, and maybe you have a little bit of trepidation getting into the short shorts. I can understand. Maybe nice you skip word. leg day a lot. Um, not gonna not gonna blame you for that. For the rest of us guys who mm. are going to partake in letting some thigh out, mm. you know what I'm saying? Letting mm. letting the shorts come up a little bit like it's the 80s. Letting the thighs fly. You know what I'm saying? Letting the thighs fly, John Stockton style. Um, you refer to your shorts just as what they are, just shorts, right? You, you don't need to come up with a nickname for it, all right? I don't want to hear any more nicknames out of God. Let the ladies call them Hoochie Daddy shorts. Zaddy. If they want to say it's what about Hoochie Zaddy, Hoochie Zaddy shorts, all of that, <laughs> uh, whatever they want to say, let them say that. I don't want to hear any guys out here tweeting, posting photos, talking about looking my Hoochie Daddy shorts. That's no, the, post about it, tweet about it, absolutely. Just, let me see those Hoochie Zaddy shorts. Do what you do, absolutely. But let the ladies call it that. I don't want to hear any grown men over the age of eighteen talking about they got some Hoochie Daddy shorts on. But Mm-mm. I am in on the wave. Let your thighs out. Don't skip leg day. You know what I'm saying? Let the sun hit them thighs. You don't want a, a, a tan line. Jeanette, what you got to say on the shorts? It is about time the way that women have been looked at. Yeah. You know, yeah. wearing these short shorts. I feel vindicated. <laughs> yeah. For once in my life, like I went to the brewery last night and there was a beautiful man wearing his hoochie zaddy shorts. And mm. I was like, about time. I want to catcall you, but I have to be respectful. Is this what it feels like to be a man? Times have changed. <laughs> yeah. Let the thighs out. Yeah, I think the older crowd is still fighting it. And it's about time you just, you know, jo- join ship. Yeah. Right? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's going really well. So it's for those very well. For those older guys fighting it, man, just get on board. Yeah. Just get on board. The chicks dig it. Don't fight oh, the wave, yes. man. And that's how it works if you're a guy. Like, let's not play coy. Let's not act like this isn't how it works. If you are a man, what do you do? What the ladies like. Mm. You do what the ladies like. Yes, yes. sir. You can fight it as long as you want to. You can fight the urge. You can you can try and act like, no, I just do stuff because I'm a cool guy. I'm a man. No, no. You're going to do what the ladies are more appeasing to. Yeah, because if you pull up and your shorts are uh, hanging below your knees. Come on, man. You're just crossed off the list. Yeah. Immediately pulling up to the spot. You're yeah. done. Off mm-hmm. the roster. Mm-hmm. Short shorts or no shorts. If you don't want to wear the short shorts, wear pants this summer, man. But don't don't be out here embarrassing us with those long lengthy shorts a guy that i I don't think i want to see in short shorts is uh draymond green of the uh golden state warriors not sure what that would actually look like i'm not i mean he's he's in shape a bit but i don't know man he has the confidence to pull them off he does he does and i'm sure he has i don't want to see it draymond green podcasting after the nba finals games is blank i want you to let me know 888-760-3776 Again, 888-760-3776. You can tweet at me at Theo Dorsey TV. Um, filling in here for Ken Levicka on Ken Levicka Live. Jeanette Javier, Stone Lebanowitz, and myself, uh, myself, excuse me, Theo Dorsey. Talking about this NBA Finals, the Celtics now up 2-1. 
Um, they got the 116-100 win over the Golden State Warriors last night in the TD Garden. Um, it was an impressive showing by the Celtics. They played a lot of bully ball. They hustled a lot more than the Warriors did. They got to the loose balls. They got the offensive rebounds. They controlled the flow of the game for the majority of the game. They lost the third quarter again because that's just what they do. But, you know, at the end of the day, they end up winning the game and going up 2-1 with another game at home coming up in a couple days. For Draymond Green and the Golden State Warriors, I think it all boiled down to one thing, and it was energy, it was effort, it was defense. And Draymond Green seemed to save a lot of that defense for after the game. He got very defensive when he was on the podium after the game in a game where he had two points and I believe three assists, so that's a total of five points and assists, and he had six fouls because he fouled out. He had an interaction with reporter Jake Fisher from the Bleacher Report after the game where Jake Fisher was asking him specifically about whether or not um, if him podcasting after each of these games was giving away the game plan and letting the Celtics in on what the Warriors were doing and potentially hurting his team Here's how Draymond and that reporter's interaction went last night. I found listening to your podcast recaps the last couple of games pretty interesting. Are you conscious at all of what you're saying about X's and O's, the game plans, the adjustments could be making their way back to Boston staffers and influencing their decision-making at all? No. Um, I don't say much different on the podcast than I say to you right here. So, nah. What's the X's and O's that I said on the podcast? Right? Yeah, actually, asked, the only real thing I, I noticed that like, really stood out, you talked about how to cover White, Smart, and Horford differently between games one and two. That was really only... Oh, yeah, that was just contested shots. That, if that's X's and O's, then I don't... You're reaching for something. It's all good, though. Keep going. <laughs> reaching heavy. The only thing... You find that they are... Taking X's and O's away from your your podcast. Uh, well, the only thing you said is um, White, Smart, and Horford. Hmm. Very mind getting a little defensive here. Nah, I mean you you went for it, but. Hey, respect. Appreciate the podcast uh, promo you just gave me, though. The Draymond Green Show. You next time just mention it that way. You got it. All right, we we can cut it there. We can cut it there. We can cut it there. So Draymond Green, um, and then even with the next reporter who asked the question, Draymond went back to the previous question from the Bleacher Report reporter and started to kind of double down on um, how he doesn't feel like his podcast is a distraction or even motivation for the Celtics or even giving away game plans. Um, For me particularly, as defensive as Draymond got about this, it seems like this must have been a conversation that's been going on between himself and Golden State Brass as well as it is something that is potentially affecting the outcome or the flow of these games because he literally is a player who is the brain of the defense for the Golden State Warriors and a huge cog on what they do on offense because of the way he facilitates. And he's literally he's literally giving game plan stuff after the game. So he's foolish to think that it doesn't have some effect, whether it's just billboard, you know, what do, what do they call it, locker room? Bulletin um, board material. Bulletin board material, or if it's actually some X's and O's game planning stuff, I think Draymond knows it's giving a little bit away, and that's why he got so defensive. Yeah, I I usually want to stand on the side of professional athletes. Bulletin board is not a thing, right? These are grown-ass men who have been doing this for a long time, and they motivate themselves, right? They're out there making millions of dollars, but at the same time, this is a worldwide 
thing being talked about. It's a narrative being built. And I think if you're a Boston Celtics player, you're out there just to beat Draymond and then the Warriors at this point. So I don't believe in bulletin board material, maybe at the high school or college level. In the, in the professionals, maybe if you go after somebody personally, you know that's what you call bulletin board material. But it does seem like Boston is using this and yeah. shutting Draymond down on purpose. They, they listen, they care, they respond to questions in post and pregame interviews about Draymond Green specifically. And if you think they haven't watched or listened to those 15 to 20 minute podcasts after the games, you're lying to yourself. Mm-hmm. So for Jeanette, do you, when you hear Draymond and not just the tone of voice, but the way he kept going back to it over and over again, does his defensiveness in that postgame presser, what does that say about what he actually thinks his podcast is doing and affecting in these NBA finals? He's probably received a lot of negative feedback about his podcast. Yeah. So when somebody directly references it in a very specific matter, he's going to try it, especially something personal to the game where the X's and O's, like that's kind of pinning the loss on Draymond. Yeah. Draymond. Somewhat. Yes, that where, oh, Draymond, you're giving up the game because of these podcasts. So he's pro- with that negative feedback that he's receiving, he's probably like, am I really doing this? Okay, bet. How am I doing it? Yeah, he, he wanted the guy to get – and he knew the guy wouldn't be point. able to pull up specifics at that point. At that point, you're just getting competitive with the guy and trying to make him look like a fool. Exactly. So I think Draymond's reaction, I think it was validated. Yeah. Like yeah. you want to make it seem so negative, you want to make it seem like we're losing because of this podcast. Prove it. Oh, we're giving up X's and O's. How? And I think that's the whole point of the new media. Like these guys, like Stephen A. Smith, and I'm sorry, I just keep bringing him up because there are plenty of them. But they're gonna go after just very basic, bland parts about the game, and that's what Draymond's trying to do. What part are you talking about? Yeah. When? Did that happen? He wants the real stuff because that's what he's giving you on his podcast. Yeah, yeah. And 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 Stephen A. Um, was outwardly critical of Draymond Green this morning on First Take, specifically one of the people that kind of came at him not not more so because of the podcast, but more so because of his performance before the podcast, his pre-podcast show, which was Game Three of the NBA Finals, where he didn't really show up. Here's Stephen A. Smith from from First Take this morning uh, with a bit of a rant on Draymond Green. What the hell was that, Draymond? We got to stop this nonsense right now. This is a motivational speech. This is not criticizing LeBron. This is not criticizing LeBron. Draymond Green. Oh, uh, he, 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 first off, is, is, we have more of that, right? Oh, that's it. Yeah, first off, he, uh, he's so used to talking about LeBron. He, he's, he like, oh, couldn't help it. He <laughs> caught himself real quick. I think that had to do with some of the Lakers talk and the Russell Westbrook stuff that's yeah. going on right now. But, hey, keep LeBron out your mouth. Yeah, man. But, but well, Stephen A. has something against LeBron. It's disgusting at mm-hmm. this point. And it's hard not to be talk show radio guy and not have a huge opinion on LeBron because every other topic, it seems like, it's LeBron. And Stephen A.'s world, absolutely, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It is. It legitimately is. Uh, Draymond Green is going to have to play better if he's going to be doing these podcasts. At the very baseline of it all, whether or not you like the podcasting after NBA Finals games or if you hate them, if he's going to be doing them, he has to play better because he's putting a spotlight on not just himself, but he also is alluding to a lot of the adjustments that the Warriors are trying to make in these games. He's got to play better if he's going to be podcasting after the game. Yes, but again, I love the fact that he's still podcasting after such a bad game. He's yeah. proven himself. He's he like staying dedicated. And it's there's, you know, it's extreme ownership of what you're doing. He took it on a chin. 100%. I like it.
Um, game four of the NBA Finals in a couple days at TD Garden. Celtics up to one. I think it might be time for us to do a Baptist Health Orthopedic Care injury report because there's a major injury in that, that could affect game four. Let's get to it. Hut! Green! Hut! Hut! Oh, no. There's a man down. Literally, there was a man down last night. Uh, I relate a lot to that audio right now. Right? I love that. I love that. It's great audio. Um, So, Stephen Curry in game three in the fourth quarter, with the game a bit out of touch, um, fell to the floor for a loose ball. Al Horford lands on him. He comes up hobbled. It's the same left foot that he sprained when Marcus Smart, where, you know, it was regular season, end of the season there, and people thought it was a bit of a dirty play. It was one of those up-in-the-air up things. Nobody really could you know, decipher it all. But Steph Curry had to miss two weeks of the NBA season, the final mm-hmm. two weeks, because of that left foot sprain. He said that it didn't feel as bad. We still don't have an update on whether or not he will play, but he did say following the game he feels like he will not miss a game. Um, yeah, from Fantasy Labs NBA on Twitter, the Warriors are optimistic that yeah. he will play game four. That is the update, I guess, if you could call it. Right, right. And no official um, injury on what it is right now, but it is, again, he tweaked that same left foot that he sprained at the end of the regular season, and he did come out shortly after then. And then, of course, the Celtics close out the win, 116-100. Um, Jeanette, Al Horford was the guy that fell on Steph Curry's foot there. Dirty player or what? Al Hord. <laughs> That's my Al Hord. Back off him. I wouldn't say dirty player. Oh, no, I know. I'm just joking. No, we, Don't come after him. That's just, my boy. I'm giving you the opportunity to speak on his behalf. Dominican guy, you know, y'all are, y'all are brother and sister in arms. It's, it's, just I get the know. dub. That's all he wants. Eyes on the prize, baby. Get I that. Hoist that trophy. Let's yeah. go. Trophy. Trophy. Wow. Trophy. Well, I don't know. Y'all do it differently in the Dominican Republic. You know, we, we got our own way to play. We got our own way to play. Stone, before game three, you said you knew exactly what how game three would play out. You said that you knew the Celtics would win. You said that you had some uh, some advice for people who are willing to wager a bit of their paycheck on some of these games. What was it for you that gave it up that the Celtics would come out on top last night? Yeah, so a little free game for me. I did I, I did uh, win money on that minus three and a half Boston was giving, and also a little on the money line and threw them in a few parlays. I had that much faith in Boston, and here's why. So what I'm going to describe is a thing called line freezing. So they were giving uh, Golden State three and a half points last night. After a very, very convincing win at home, and typically a team as popular as Golden State, they become a trendy dog, dog as an underdog. Mm. So what happened was 63, I think it closed at 65% of the bets ended up falling on the Golden State Warriors side, whether that's the money line or whether that's the point spread. And when something becomes trendy, that number's only going to rise. And what happens when that much money and that high of a percentage goes on one team, typically Vegas will bring that line down Mm. because they're like, oh, if they think Golden State's going to win, we got to lower this point spread because the game's closer than we think. Sometimes Vegas gets it wrong and the people push it the other way. Right. So so all the Warriors bets push the line down more. Yes. But what happened last night, it didn't go down. Vegas froze that line. So all the money coming in on Golden State, that line stayed at three and a half the entire day, 
all the way up until game time. So the Warriors were three and a half point dogs all the way up until game time, no matter how much money was being poured in on Golden State's side. And that is very, very rare. It's called line freezing. And what that is saying is Vegas thinks that Boston is the scary side. They become what they call a liability mm. because people will win too much money on Boston if that line goes down. So they were basically daring people to bet against Boston last night. And Vegas raked because, like I said, 65% of the bets ended up on the Warriors' side. And usually that line comes down when that's the case. And it did not budge. Vegas knew what was going to happen. And like I said, raked. Vegas won. Vegas uh, that's took, wild. emptied everybody's pockets last night. Except for Stone LeBan. Hey, except for me. Because he's a sharp. Yes, exactly. The sharp money was on Boston and it was the one to trust. Is there any way you can specifically just gamble on Al Horde? <laughs> uh, uh, any way you want to. Can I anyway. just put fifty dollars and be like, he's gonna have a great game? One hundred percent. It's any way you want to <laughs> do it. So, There's so many things you can do. Yeah, he's gonna be great. So his his line last night was at seventeen and a half, I believe. He ended up scoring twenty six points. I don't know what that means. So so if you're putting hundred dollars <laughs> down, that he scores over seventeen points, and he does, you win the money. He scored twenty six last night, so he went over. I mentioned earlier about points, rebounds, and assists. You take those three stats and combine them. His was at probably 22. He scored more points mm. than what they thought he was going to combine on the stat sheet. So what a lot of people did last That's night. That's what I need to do. Yeah. No, you yeah. could, and, I, and I'll help you out. And, and what a lot of people did last night, Draymond pissed him off, and people won a lot of money betting against Draymond. They said, you want to run your mouth, I'm going to take your under, whether it's your points, rebounds, and assists. I did see a lot of people last night, like a Dave Portnoy, like people who are Boston's fans, parlayed those stats. They said, you are going to go under your points. You're going to go under the rebound set. And you're going to go under the assist bet. You parlay that. I saw a lot of $100 tickets that were winning people $2,200, $2,500. Oh, my God. Basically saying, Draymond, you suck, and you're not going to do anything you're saying you're doing. And it paid off for a lot of people last night. Wow. And, like, I should have known better because you don't piss off Dominican people. The second you talk crap, we going, we petty. Yeah. We petty Yeah, people. Horford was a great play last night. He loves playing in Boston. He seems comfortable there, and he, he performed. Now, the one thing for Horford is, can he do it in back-to-back games, which he hasn't done a lot of this postseason? No, he has not. Yeah. He's a little older, though. It's not, not, not to his fault, but in these NBA Finals, it's not like the Conference Finals. Conference Finals, you're playing every other night. NBA Finals, you get two days of rest, mm-hmm. which is a huge benefit for the Celtics, not only for Al Horford, but for Robert Williams, and also the Golden State Warriors, who need to make sure that Steph Curry is as close to 100% as possible. Absolutely. Um, so, for Game 4, then. We're going to give a quick Game 4 preview before we go to break. And, of course, we're going to do our obligatory football segment when we come out of that break. Uh, game 4 preview. Jeanette, for you, after seeing what you saw last night, after seeing how Al Horde uh, <laughs> tore it up on the, uh, on the floor there on the parquet, um, how do you think it plays out? Celtics up 2-1. Do you think the Celtics get another win at home, go up 3-1, a commanding lead? Only one team has ever come back from a 3-1 lead in the NBA Finals those were the 2016 Cavaliers over the Warriors. Do you think the Celtics take the commanding 3-1 lead, or do the Warriors tie it up at 2-2 coming out of Boston? It honestly depends if Curry's healthy or not. Mm. We need to wait great for the final statement on Curry. If he's out, let's go Celtics. If he's in what? No, the, the Warriors are going to take the dub on the next game. Okay, so, so Jeanette's got, if Curry plays, it's 2-2. If he doesn't, it's 3-1. What do you got, Snow? I'm going to fade the public, and you just mentioned, obviously, everybody's take is going to be that the Warriors are going to bounce back, right? They've never been put in a 3-1 hole before in the finals, so the percentage will rise. Everybody's going to bet on the Warriors. I'll go the other way. It's the same line they're spitting out. I like Boston at home. They play really well at home. 
They've won. They're seven and zero now. They just broke a finals record, winning after a loss. I know they just won, but they're really good at home. So I trust Boston again, and I well, and I can't I wait to see Golden State come back from three one because they will go three one in my opinion, and I think it goes three three after that. I don't think Golden State goes out. Obviously, Love we'll have it. to see what these next couple of days look like before we have official official prediction. But our early predictions, we got Jeanette saying Warriors if if Curry plays. Stone says Celtics no matter what. I'm going to say Warriors right now, and specifically for one reason. You just talked about how the Celtics 7-0 and this postseason following losses. Yeah. You know who's 6-0 and following losses? Or 5-0, I guess. Ooh, I was not aware. The Golden State Warriors. Yeah. 5-0 and following losses this postseason. Also undefeated great. following a loss. The Celtics have been an amazing road team this playoffs, but they've actually been average to below average at home. Yeah. They've actually dropped a lot of games at home, and we saw that in the Eastern Conference Finals when the Heat won, I think, well, two of their three wins in that in that in that series were in Boston. Very beatable at home. Not sure why yet, but they're very beatable at home. And I think for the Golden State Warriors, a lot of times we've seen in this postseason, the team with the most pressure on them ends up delivering. The team that fills their back is up against the wall the most has delivered and and staved off elimination or staved off a big deficit in the, in the series to fight for another game. I can see Golden State going in Game Four. Chip on their shoulders, mad about how Al Horford laid on Steph Curry. Draymond bounce back. Draymond bounce back game because he had a terrible game, and he talked about it in his podcast. He feels like he played that way because of all of the talk surrounding how he would be officiated in game three. And he said he, he admitted it got in his own head. It got in his head. He, he outsmarted himself and tried to play a way that he wasn't used to playing. I think Draymond gets back to his original self. I believe Curry probably comes in at least 80 to 90%. Clay found his rhythm. That's a storyline that we're not talking about a lot today. That's Clay had 25. Mm-hmm. He found his rhythm. He got some good shots up. Jordan Poole still hasn't found it all the way. I think these Warriors find a way to bounce back in game four. The Celtics also play a little more relaxed when they're ahead. That's something we can't go against. They play it. a little more relaxed. I think the Warriors win uh, game four for now. I mean, I hear, you, I hear you loud and clear in every point. I can't really go against, except that I will fade the public. Yeah. I do want to show you <laughs> guys an audio. This was Evan Cohen on his five-minute blast. This was yesterday at Who's fi- that? Who? Evan Co- Cohen. I haven't heard of that guy. Yeah. Well, he, I mean, he's new to me. And he definitely impressed me and, and got my stamp, even though he already had it and doesn't deserve or doesn't even. He doesn't deserve it. Listen, his ego saying, is already big enough. Don't, saying, don't. He does yeah. not owe me a stamp, but. Yeah. Here's what he said. I'm going to play you an audio. This was his prediction on how Draymond Green would play last night, and damn, it was impressive. He said Joey Porter likes to motivate himself by talking the junk, putting it out there, and really hyping himself up that way. And I think that's exactly what Draymond Green does. I think Draymond Green motivates himself and his teammates by acting borderline wild on the court, and he's made himself into a Hall of Fame player as a result. But here's where it gets interesting. With all the conversation about this over the last few days, I wonder whether or not the referees tonight could potentially have a little bit of a quick hook. Whether or not Draymond could get an early tee and maybe a second tee and maybe even get thrown out of the game. So if you were to bet on whether or not he gets thrown out of the game over the next two in Boston, I would say that there is a decent chance that Draymond Green does not make it through both of these games without being ejected because this is how he plays, this is how he motivates himself, and this is how he motivates the rest of the team. So the challenge for them is them being the Warriors, is whether or not Draymond can be that guy 
and stay in the game when everybody's going to be watching him and everyone, including the referees, have heard over the last couple of days, oh, Draymond gets a pass. He gets preferential treatment. He's allowed that to pay that one technical tax and then from there do whatever the heck he wants. Yeah. He was kind of spot. He was on, but he was on for the wrong reason. He's talking more technical fouls, whereas this was about actual fouls. But he got it right. Draymond didn't finish the game. Yeah, I mean, that, that was what I was going to say. He said that Draymond was not going to finish either last night or come Friday. And, man, it happened last night. It on, happened. On it happened. Point. But I do want to point out his flaw. He talked about the wrong fouls. It was personal <laughs> fouls, not technical fouls. Draymond still had zero ticks. Evan Cohen, you're wrong. And uh, <laughs> as Stephen A. Smith would say, Evan Cohen... You're horrible. You're horrible. Oh, we're getting fired. Yeah, we probably are. We probably are. But you know what? It doesn't matter as much because you know what? I, I love just talking down on Evan. He's not listening right now. There's no way. I, he will never. He will never admit it. But I know he misses me. That's great. Yeah, I know he does too. Uh, Evan <laughs> Cohen. Of course, you can hear him 11:55 and 5:55 weekdays as he gives the five-minute blasts of the sports topic of the day. And then also talks a lot about Duffy's and other things. Um, Evan Cohen, great guy. Of course, Draymond Green, we've been talking about him all day. Whether or not you think he is justified in these podcasts after the finals, we're still taking your calls on that, 888-760-3776. But also, a lot of this offseason movement in the NFL, a lot of this stuff that goes around and people talk, all the talking heads love talking a lot of football, even when football is not the main topic, well, of course, here on Ken Levick Alive, we do the obligatory football segment. Huh. And today's one will be about the second most important position in football behind quarterback. We'll talk about that after the break. For Janet Javier and Stone Lebanowitz, I'm Theo Dorsey. We're live here on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. That's right, you're listening to Ken LaVica Live, excuse me, but it ain't Ken. It ain't Ken. It's a big Teddy takeover here on Ken LaVica Live. Theo Dorsey in for Ken. We got Jeanette Javier who's singing some Journey. We got Stone Lebanowitz who's nodding his head. You should do that. When you had the locks, that would go a lot better when you yeah. nod the head with the... Yeah, yeah, I could throw it around. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we are presented by... The FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Visit fau.edu slash MBA sport. And of course, today, though, that's who we're presented by. And Journey, obviously, was what carried Jeanette Javier through the night after her Al Horford-led <laughs> or Al Horde-led Celtics uh, got her through. But... Listen to that guitar. <laughs> the actual theme of today that the, the is great. It's great. The theme of today, Stone Lebanowitz, is what? Yesterday's price yes. is not today's price. Yes, 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 yes. Yesterday's price, not today's price. So many different things around the NFL right now. People are reaching for topics. People are reaching for something to talk about, Jeanette. They want to talk about, I mean, you look up on First Take, on Get Up, or whatever we're talking about, what Aaron Rodgers has got going on. We're talking about what? what what's the latest one right now? We're talking about, you know, who had the best offseason. I, I don't want to hear about any of that. Mm-mm. Right now, I think there's a there's been somewhat of a turnover right now in the league because for so many years it was about the edge rusher. Mm-hmm. For so many years it was about cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. For so many years, too, I mean, you talk about, you know, linebackers and you know maybe even running backs back back in the day for sure but I think there's a new age in the NFL specifically of what is the most important non-quarterback position and that's what's going to be 
Uh, what is this? Is this a weekly topic here on Ken Levick Alive, the obligatory? It's almost every day. It's yeah, a daily topic. It is a daily topic. Because on, on any great sports show, as Ken Levick likes to say, yes. you have to have an obligatory NFL or football topic. Jeanette, how else can you get the ratings? None. Right? It's, you would fail. No other way to get the ratings. Nope. So, Stone, cue us up with our intro, and then we'll dig right into. We don't have an intro for this? <laughs> I, I thought know. we had an intro. What's it sound like? I'm done. <laughs> I'm getting. I don't have. We don't have an intro for this. But it would sound a little something like. Well, this. Give me some NFL music. Yeah, at there you go. Give me some NFL music. Come on, give me in the mood. We can go back to Journey. There we go. There we go. This ain't Journey. This is not Journey, but this is a little NFL music. And what I want to know is to you, specifically, as this music pours, and I like this. What is the most important non-quarterback position in the NFL right now? Because to me, I think the answer is plain and obvious, and it's the wide receiver position. Bingo. Devontae Adams not only getting traded for in a major way, but then getting the bag. Tyreek Hill, Marquise Brown, A.J. Brown. The endless flow of receiver contracts, and the latest obviously being Cooper Cup, who was the triple threat winner as a receiver last year. Yes. Super Bowl champion. He just got the bag and 110 million, 75 million guaranteed. I'm a guy that likes to follow the money. I, I'm not the type of dude that's going to go back and forth with you on. Oh, I, I think edge rushers, you know, getting to the passer, creating pressure is so much more important than the NFL. Whatever. NFL franchises, front offices, and the money are all telling us that wide receiver is the second most valued position in football, and I think they got a point. You nailed it right on the head. I mean, receivers are finally getting paid, and what does that show us? That they're important. And I also think there's one thing that really makes me pick receiver. And as a quarterback, they are giving their guys They're giving them quarterback them. money, though. I mean, uh, they're giving they really are. Yeah. But what I mean is they're trying to make their quarterbacks more comfortable, right? Yeah. They gave Joe Burrow Jamar Chase. Yeah, okay. They gave Tua Tagovailoa Jalen Waddle. That's two. They gave Derek Carr his college roommate at Fresno State, Devontae Adams. Also best receiver in the league, arguably. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. They just gave Marquise Brown. They gave him to Kyler Murray. That's four. I mean, everyone's getting their bag. Jalen Hurts. Yeah, Jalen Hurts. Devontae was, Smith. Absolutely. That's I think, five. You see, they're trying to make their quarterbacks more comfortable by giving them their receivers, and not only giving them, but paying them as well. So I'm right with you. It's wide receivers. It has to be. It has to be receiver. Jeanette Javier. You are, to me, I think an expert on not just prioritizing things, but whenever we do these <laughs> lists. Like, no, no, no. We're talking about lists and whatnot. We do these top fives. <laughs> we talk about comparing things back okay, and forth. Okay, you have okay. a very great mind in that. That's what I, you. I appreciate you I was going to say, for. I did not prioritize any personal aspect <laughs> the past well, 48 night, hours. Last night, I mean, that was a lot different. 48 I mean, hours. The drunk text at 2.30 in the morning, it, yeah, that tells, that tells a different story of you having your priorities <laughs> in line, knowing we have Ken Levick alive today at noon. But that's okay. That's okay. That's, that's you. Jeanette. What's the second most important position in football right now? So I honestly think it's probably the left tackle. Oh, I, I thought you had to left tackle. Where's your mustache and your left gray tackle? hair, you old man? Right. What is this? <laughs> this, this is this the nineties? I mean, to Jeanette's defense, they're still getting paid. Right. We just brought up the bag and wide receivers getting it. I mean, left tackles are still the second, third highest paid paid guys in the league. So go Bro, ahead, Jeanette. Devontae go Adams on. making thirty million a year. <laughs> well, they're just important. <laughs> I don't know. They, I mean, They're they are. They're just important. They still simply are. I think I think we they went out and reached. We got Teron Armstead, and we're going to move him around, as Miami Dolphins yeah. fan would hope. I mean, I think getting 
that guy and making sure you're okay. Pumping, they had Cincinnati Bengals just pumped up their O line, gave them what he needed. Washington did the same thing. I mean, right. linemen, especially left linemen tackles, matter. are still they getting the big guys. You matter. have to protect your quarterback. I'm not trying to say the big guys don't matter. And, and again, y'all can comment. I got the IG live feed going uh, at Theo Dorsey TV. You can comment what you think the second most important position is. I say receiver. So does Stone Labanowitz, but of course, because he's a quarterback, Jeanette Javier is going with left tackle. Um, which you, you know, gotta protect your boys. I, I'll show I, I, that blindside. It's love. It's love. It's love. But what I will say is this: Cooper Cup yesterday was talking one noise, right? Right. He was talking one price, and today he's speaking a little differently. And I think Fat Joe might be able to clue us in on how Cooper Cup is feeling. After yesterday's it. price is not today's price. Damn right. But and again, Theo, he was really saying something else. What was he saying? Hide the money, y'all. <laughs> Around. <laughs> with your broke ass. With your broke ass. With your broke ass. That's damn right. Cooper Cup um, getting the bag in the same offseason that A.J. Brown, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill. I'm missing some guys for sure. Hollywood Brown got moved. Yes. I don't think he got the contract extension yet, but that's probably to come. Uh, in the same offseason that who's the, the Cardinals went and got somebody. Or no, the, he left the Cardinals. Receiver was that that left the Cardinals and went to Kirk. Kirk Christian Kirk yeah. went and got seventy two million. Yes, he did. Um, we're talking about Juju Smith Schuster getting on the move. Marquez Valdez Scantling getting the bag from the Chiefs. Like these guys are getting paid and moved around at an all time rate. And I think it's no question right now who is the second most prioritized position in the NFL. If you don't have three good wide receivers right now and you can't go three wide and attack and spread a defense out, you're really playing antiquated football right now. Yeah, so Aaron Rodgers was on the Pat McAfee show this Tuesday, and he actually said something that surprised me, and I, and I didn't think that this was the case, but he said that 80% of their pass plays in their playbook yeah. were revolved around Devontae Adams. Wow. So we're talking about receivers being important. For the Green Bay Packers to play an NFC Championship game to almost go the distance, yeah. 80% of their playbook revolved around a single wide receiver. Big, that's a big that's time huge. stuff. I mean, that's huge. That's the kind of stuff we're talking about with Draymond, like getting that info from Aaron Rodgers. Like that's new media. Like I, I want to know that stuff. Yeah, and we can say it. You know that he's his guy. But eighty percent of the place is huge. And for San Francisco, the team they played in the NFC uh, or in the NFC not champ, yeah, NFC Championship yes. game. I would say, how much? How, what percentage do you think from San Francisco? I mean, with Debo, I mean, it's got to be a or in the divisional number. round. Not, that wasn't the championship game last year, but with Debo, like ninety-five percent. I mean, he's running the ball and catching the ball, quite literally. Um, incredible stuff there from Aaron Rodgers, obviously touching on it, but also I think it's just illuminating the fact that again, you think of all of the big offseason moves this year. Yes, Teron Armstead was big. Yes, uh, Khalil Mack was a big move. You know, like these guys matter. Von Miller, big move. These guys matter. Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald, them re-upping on Aaron Donald. That is huge. Highest paid non-QB in the league right now. Highest paid non-QB. But also, how many receivers got the bag this summer? How many receivers got their way? Because you talk about player Mm -hmm. empowerment in the NFL, it Mm -hmm. really was relegated to just quarterbacks. Yeah, the only one that really lost was Debo, right? He hasn't gotten, and he yeah. showed up. Not to o- yet. He, not yet, of course, and he still showed up to OTAs. So yeah. he tried to do his stint, right? There was rumors he was dipping. He wasn't going to stay in San Fran, hoping to get the bag, kind of leveraged, yeah. just like Aaron Donald or somebody else did. Tyreek said, I want that money. I'm leaving. And uh, he still showed up to OTAs. So he'll he be did. there next year, and he'll still own 90% of that playbook. He, he really he's going to be all on top of that. Rob Parker just said, what's up? What's good, Rob? You got to let us know who's the best, the, the most important non-quarterback in the NFL position-wise, 
And it looks like we got some cookies that they're snacks. giving out. We got snacks. It's snack time. Bring it in, Johnny. Bring in the snacks. He's bringing in some chocolate covered pretzels. Um, 888-760-3776. Let us know what's the most important non-quarterback position in the NFL right now. I'm going receiver. Jeanette's still old school. She's got left tackle. Stone Labanowitz is going with receiver like me because he's a smart guy. Uh, I'm going to tell you the one thing, the one thing that's actually higher than Miles Bridges right now when we return on Ken Levick Alive. I'm Theo Dorsey. That's Jeanette Javier for Stone Labanowitz. We're live here on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. It's one thing to take a stance and to have somewhat of a backbone. It's another thing to um, also contradict yourself in that same sharing of your position. Uh, this is Ken Levick Alive. We're presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Visit fau.edu slash MBA sport. It's a big teddy takeover. Theo Dorsey in for Ken Levick. We got Jeanette Javier and Stone Labanowitz, as you well know. Uh, Jack Del Rio, defensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders, adding to the fire that continues to boil over in D.C., in the nation's capital, because that franchise just can't get out of its own <laughs> way. It literally just cannot. Jack Del Rio outed himself via Twitter for being a supporter of the insurrection of January 6th. Jack Del Rio defended it. He called it a quote-unquote dust-up, and then he attacked loudly the Black Lives Matter protest. Um, He actually had to come out and apologize for such, and when he did apologize for it, Jack Del Rio yesterday said that he supports all peaceful protests in America. Jack Del Rio was the head coach of the then um, uh, Las Vegas, or not Las Vegas, Los An- what were they, the Ra- Oakland Raiders. Yeah. Goodness gracious. He was the then head coach of the Oakland Raiders during the Colin Kaepernick uh, protest days. And in those protests, he was very vehement and he was very against, loudly, any player that wanted to peacefully protest during the anthem of all of the killings of African Americans and any kind of, you know, the whole stance. We don't have to dig deep into that because you know what the kneeling was about. Jack Del Rio was against it at that time. He's turned around now and says he's for peaceful protest, yada, 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 whatever. Um, Jack Del Rio, as defensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders, I think that organization has a decision to make if they want to continue on with a defensive coordinator who's obviously showing that he's at least inconsiderate to – I mean, you got to think about that defense in Washington. It's a lot of African-Americans, a lot of black guys on that team. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how they're going to mm-hmm. feel about that when they um, are trying to suit up for him. We have Scott in, in, in a location um, unknown to us. Scott in a location unknown to us here on Ken Levick Alive. Scott, first off, how you doing? Hey, good, Big Teddy. I'm in Jupiter. Jupiter, Scott. I'm sorry, man. You're in, you're in Jupiter. I, it's locations unknown. Jupiter, same thing to me, man. I don't get up that way as much. <laughs> Scott. Jack, uh-huh. Jack, Del, Jack Del Rio. I love, I like that love brother. for Jupiter. I just don't get out there as much as I should. Jack Del Rio, defensive coordinator of the yeah. Washington Commanders. Him first. Yeah, first of all, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on all of this? He's not sorry, Theo. He's not sorry. He's trying to save face. Uh, he meant what he said. And as far as uh, a dust off, listen, I'm a retired cop. If you watch the videos of those cops being assaulted and especially the one guy being crushed in the door, if you want to call that a peaceful protest, I, I don't know what kind of clown this guy is. Maybe it's CTE or it's just time to move on. But 
Uh, he's not sorry, brother. Are you spot on with that? I appreciate that, Scott. Also, thank you for protecting and serving. Scott, one more word on that. For him, did you have any issue with the rest of his statements? He talked about some of the protests that were going on around the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah, apples and oranges. Right. Um, the people that were protesting had a reason to protest and a legitimate reason to protest. I'm, I'm not condoning burning down uh, buildings or whatever he said. Of course not. That's lunacy. But uh, no different than the guys breaking down the windows and the doors and trying to hang the vice president of the United States. I mean, what what's going on, man? What What, what are we doing? Hey, can I say one thing also? What you got? When, uh, when Ken was bragging yesterday about being a drum major, nobody, <laughs> nobody brags about being a drum major unless you're at an HBCU. Thank you, Scott. Yes, sir. Right? That's real. I, I That's tried real. to get in. I tried to get in, brother, but it, he couldn't, uh, I couldn't get in in time. I wish I could. I'll get him when he gets back. I'll Please make sure do. to relay the message. Thanks, Scott. Thank you so much for the call, man. That was great. That uh, was great. That was great. Uh, again, Jack Del Rio, I think the commanders need to do away with him. I mean, no telling what they're going to do because that organization has been literally in shambles, literally For like cannot, three years now. They can't no. escape controversy. No. They can't escape controversy. Uh, I, I teased ahead. There's one thing that's higher than Miles Bridges this offseason. What it's is gas it? Gas prices. Oh, my God. They're the worst. Gas Buddy just announced that nationally gas prices are now $5.00. Over $5 a gallon nationally on average. It ain't a joke. It ain't a joke, people. Uh, we got to figure something out, and we've got to do it pretty soon here. Uh, no telling how it's going to play out for the NBA Finals. No telling what the Washington Commanders will do. No telling if Jack Del Rio ever finds out what a dust-up actually is and what it is to have four people killed and hundreds arrested because they tried to overthrow uh, the nation's government. We'll see. Right, Jeanette? Mm. For Stone Labanowitz and Jeanette Javier here on Ken Levick Alive, we're back at you Yesterday's tomorrow. Yesterday's price is not today's price. Damn right. This has been Ken Levick Alive. I'm Theo Dorsey. Big Teddy Takeover. Thanks for listening.